Hello, everybody, and welcome to this uh, Thanksgiving Eve edition of Wednesday Night Live. I am Ron Crawford. I am speaking to you from the beautiful sanctuary of the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas, and it's my privilege to offer to all of you who are listening a special mention from my heart that I pray God will bless you, your family, your household on this Thanksgiving time. It, it really is a special moment for, it should be for all Americans. I know that there are many in our country today who, who have devoted themselves to deconstructing or tearing down the essence of the America that rose to be the greatest nation in the world. But the basis of everything that we became as a nation and truly the basis of everything that we would become in God is built upon the foundation of thanks, thanksgiving. I've read the accounts of the initial points of thanksgiving, both by the, 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 the pilgrims who were in America with the Indian tribe there. I've read about uh, thanksgiving that occurred up in Canada uh, earlier than that time, and as well, the one that took place among the, the Spanish settlers to the south in our country at an earlier point in time. But the point was that it was Thanksgiving. And um, you can go back and you can say, oh, look what this did. It, it destroyed the indigenous tribes. And, you know, it did all these things. Uh, I'm, I'm, this isn't a geopolitical discussion today, but every nation in the world has that history. You, you won't, whether you go to South Africa, whether you go into any of the points of Europe, whether you go into China, you're going to see one group of people moving in and another culture being moved out. It is not a good thing. Certainly there are terrible stories of abuse and um, unspeakable acts. We, we, we ask God to cleanse and, and forgive that. But to say that America is singled out because of that migration uh, westward is, is really not a fair argument <clears throat> because even the indigenous tribes, if you study the history of, 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 of those peoples, they moved in from somewhere else. They just didn't grow up out of the ground. And the story of how they related to each other was in many ways despicable. I mean, re I read about the histories here in the Southwest, and I see, I, I, I've read about this extensively. I didn't live here then. But the, but the stories of what one tribe did to another are, are horrific. Uh, and I'm not justifying any of those acts. But to single out America and say, well, 
regardless of what the influence of this country has been in um, in many good things, in rising against horrible um, groups of people who tried to dominate the world and our military forces. Yeah, we've made a lot of mistakes. Why have we made the mistakes? Because there wasn't a lot of supervision. When you give power to people, and it's not based upon Christian values, and it's, it's not, there's no accountability, lots of horrible things will happen. That's just the way it is in, in humankind. So we say unabashedly that God has blessed America, just as he's blessed many of the other countries that are listening, that the people that are part of our saints family are listening to from today. We need to give thanks to the Lord, and we need to not, um, not lose that privilege of saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now, admittedly, Thanksgiving here in America has become an excuse to overeat, to watch football, to have family gatherings, to argue about political viewpoints. And um, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but the large portion of Americans that gather for Thanksgiving will have some kind of an obligatory prayer at the beginning of the feast. And there's very little true expression of thanks from a personal relationship to God. We say we say grace. That's a euphemism for prayer. But what is it that we should be expressing in grace? Thanks in the New Testament was largely the measure of grace from the etymology of the word in accordance with God's perfect plan. That's what we should be saying. And so today in our study, and there's, there's a rhema application of this that I'd like to put forward for the saints, I would draw our attention to what the sacrifice of thanksgiving or the offering of thanksgiving really was in the Old Testament. There is an outline for you of sorts. It's available there. You can click on it and pull it up. If you've not done that, I would encourage you to do that. But other than that, you can just simply listen. Leviticus 7 is our springboard. Beginning at verse uh, 11, it says this, The law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer unto the Lord, if he offer it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mingled with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, cakes mingled with oil of fine flour fried. Besides the cakes, he shall offer for his offering leavened bread with the sac sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offerings. Now, what does all that mean? Now, to me, 
this offering of thanks in the, under the category of a peace offering is very similar to what we should do at the table of grace. But with that being said, let's go a little deeper here. According to the book of Leviticus, there were five main types of sacrifices or offerings. The burnt offering, grain offering, peace offering, sin offering, and the trespass offering. Now, the sacrifice of thanksgiving, or the thank offering, fell into the category of a peace offering. So, you don't notice in those five types, thank, thanks sacrifices, because that comes under the category of peace offering. Okay? Now, there's a difference between the giving of thanks and the sacrifice of thanks. The difference being that in the Old Testament, when you talked about the giving of thanks, it was yada, which is communing with God, speaking with God, voicing your thanks to him. We should do this regularly, every day, because... Again, the basis of everything we are and do in God is to be thankful to him. I mean, legitimately communicating our thanks. And, and to me, again, I've, uh, I've spoken about how that thanks is based upon what God has done and what he's really doing now, praise is based upon what God is beginning to do and what he will do. In fact, you've, we used to sing the chorus, we bring the sacrifice of praise. And when you study that in the, uh, in the Old Testament, it's synonymous with this sacrifice of thanksgiving. It's the same word, todah, which means to lift our hands to God. Are you sticking with this? So the offering of thanks is regular commune to God. The sacrifice of thanks or the sacrifice of praise is lifting our hands to God. What do the hands represent? Submission. They represent the committing to the cycle of the Lord. We studied about the hands in, in the Old and New Testament, and we recognize that it really is a willingness to commit to God's ways, to what he's doing, to start where it seems like there's emptiness with the promise of faith, to move forward through the season of how God does anything, and then to come back to the point where it's a new beginning, but it usually looks empty or yucky. That's the hands. Again, for those of you listening for the first time, I'm just stating biblical facts to you. I'm not going to go back through and teach the things that are regularly expressed here because those have been established already. I would encourage you to look back through the archives that are available and perhaps even get um, some of the books and materials that have been published here. But, but the point is that the sacrifice of thanks is the lifting of hands the commitment to God to continue to partner with what he's doing. So there was, for the P 
peace offering, which Thanksgiving sacrifice comes under, uh, the category of peace offerings embraces the thanks. Um, it's different from the burnt offering because the burnt offering it was called the Ola, and it, it uh, comes from the root Allah, which is to ascend. Um, the whole animal was consumed by the action of the fire of the altar. We've studied about how that's the root of Elyon, El Elyon, the Most High. And that was for the purpose of going forth into the high places and establishing the kingdom. We've studied that in the past, but that's the burnt offering where the, the entire sacrifice was consumed, and this is what Jesus offered in himself. But the offering of peace is, is spoken of, the offering, shalomim, which is from shalom. And it means the, the idea of that offering of peace is to participate and to make complete what God is calling you to do. Are you sticking with me? You can hear this again. You've got this written here. These are very simple concepts, but I'm explaining them for you. Now, the Hebrew term for a sacrifice of this kind was ziba. This was different from the olah. So the peace sacrifice or the thanksgiving sacrifice um, differentiated from the entire burnt offering because the sacrifice itself was not fully consumed, but it was shared between God, the priest, and the person offering the sacrifice. And there I listed for you how this was separated. God's portion, or the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah's portion, was burned on the altar. It comprised all the fatty parts, since fat, like blood, was considered a life-giving part. That was given to God. Now, the breast and the right leg of that sacrifice were given to the priest, and the remainder belonged to the person who offered the sacrifice, and that person ate it with his family and any guests, all who had to be in this state of ritual purity. Does that make sense? Now, this is interesting because um, for the peace offering with which the Thanksgiving offering was a part had um, three measures. One, you gave the life the essence to God. There was also a, the part of this blood was sprinkled. The priest had the responsibility of making sure that whatever that thanks was, however that peace was being applied as the hands were extended, was resonating with the breast and with the right leg of going forward in the prophetic. So that's the priest's job. But the rest was the part of the people. They had to embody whatever was given to God and whatever was being indicated by the leader or the one that was mediating what God wanted. Notice I, I mentioned next, we're going to come back and talk about how this applies and what we should do. 
Uh, three classes of animal were specified as proper for the burnt offering. These were from the herd, from the flock, and there were also those of the fowls. This was the burnt offering. But in the peace offering, there were only two, animals from the herd and from the flock. There was no mention of turtle doves or pigeons here. The reason for this is that it would be difficult to, first of all, treat fowls as peace offering because of the lack of fat. And plus, those animals were often so small that it would have been extremely difficult to divide those peace offering portions. In other words, birds weren't allowed. Now, this is, this is interesting because you, you have the difference between a bird offering and this ziba offering. Did you, did you realize that the term holocaust, the holocaust, which was first embraced as an historical term in the, in the early 50s, after World War II, we talk about the holocaust as the, the murdering of Jews. That actually meant in the Latin, a burnt offering. That was the term that was used to describe in the Latin, a burnt offering. So it became then associated with what the Nazis and Stalin did to the Jewish people and the burning, the sacrifice. I just thought that was an interesting measure of understanding. But for us, with the sacrifice of Thanksgiving on this Thanksgiving Eve, which was part of the praise offering, which was also indicated by in association with the lifting of our hands or ta-da toda that is when we offer our thanks to the lord today we should be lifting our hands we should be expressing our willingness to continue in the measure of the peace of God, which is the going out and the coming back on behalf of what God has commissioned, we should be expressing our gratitude to him for the privilege of partnering with him in this. And we should also be saying, Lord, you're so wonderful to me to let me participate with you in this way. <clears throat> and I express my continued commitment with the hands being lifted. This is the sacrifice of praise that we should be bringing to the house of the Lord. This sacrifice of todah to the house of the Lord. Now, what is the other part? We talked about this earlier in our initial reading. It says, with this sacrifice... You also offer sacrifice of unleavened cakes. Unleavened, first of all, mingled with oil. That means that it is intermingled, the oil of anointing, of an unleavened nature, which means you want something fresh, something new. Unleavened wafers, wafers anointed with oil. That means that as you're participating in this, the segments of it, are under the anointing of God. And cakes mingled with oil, fried. 
that no matter what comes against you, no matter how the heat, how the oil may be um, subjected to challenges, you're going to keep going. And besides those cakes, he shall offer for his offering leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offerings. Why leavened? Because here, as opposed to what happens at the communion table of grace, you also want to remember here. You want to, you want to remember how God has fulfilled this process in the past. And you want to make sure that you remember that, his faithfulness, the process engaged and brought to completion. You want to thank him for that. That builds your faith. But, but really, what is, what is part of the sacrifice for this moment is you have your hands raised, you intermingle the everything that in this cake is being offered, you anoint the daily measures. This is a type. Notice a type of the showbread. And you, you state that you're willing to continue in this process no matter how high the heat may come. And you say, as your hands are lifted, Yes, Lord, I am um, I'm willing to continue to extend my hand to yours. The, the offering, uh, the, the animal that is brought, can be blemished to a degree. It can be both male and female. It can be, it can be an expression freely offered by you to God. But you remember that the life of that is burnt before the Lord, the fat and the blood. You, you remember that that breast and that right leg of that sacrifice is given to the priest that he would eat, that he would embody what the breast represents in, in your mission with God and the, the continual stepping forward with the right but if the people aren't following it with the rest of the sacrifice that priest is just going to be hopping along hop along priest hop along Cassidy <laughs> sometimes I've, I've thought Lord we've lost sections of people I, I'm embracing the mission but the rest of the congregation is going to have to do double time or I'm going to be hopping along here. <laughs> it, it is kind of comical, but the, the principle of it is what we need to, to see here. So we would give this offering, this peace sacrifice, sacrifice of thanksgiving during times of that that we would choose to do it it's an expression of gratitude to the lord for his plan it involves the extension of our hands to god 
It involves the bread of commune with God, largely constituted, constituted by the unleavened, but also a reflection of the fact that this process with God, in partnership with him, in relationship to him, has been what he's ordained in the past and what has been successful for us. And you, you offer this freely, and, and you, you embrace God consumes it, the priest consumes it, you consume it. This is an interesting thing. So different from the burnt offering, which was the total offering. But as, as we come on this Thanksgiving holiday, as we're ready and being readied to move into an extended season of specified fastings and preparing ourselves for the, uh, for the breakthrough times, the expansion times that are on the doorstep. This isn't wishful thinking. God has prophesied this, and we have declared it. We have seen the first stages of the new horizon. We're, we're doing tangible things in obedience to God to, to get ready in the going forward. But what else is coming? What else does the Lord want? What else, how else is he going to use us? This is important. And so I think that the thanksgiving sacrifice, the sacrifice of praise, is something that we give during this weekend, but it's something that regularly should be a part of our expressions to God as we go forward, we, under the heading of the sacrifice of peace, which is this ziba, it's a fellowship with God, it's a partnership with God, where we yield ourselves prophetically, which is the dying of self, the martyria, which is that first part of this. Then the priest, and which would be symbolic with the prophet, is part of it. And then the people who are to be um, those that represent God as sons and kings, as it were. Prophet, priest, and king, right here. We're, we're lifting our hands saying, Father, thank you for the privilege of partnering with you. We want to move forward in this way. We take your hand with our hand. We, we want the new but we also recognize that this is your eternal principle and we move forward. So we offer this. We offer the sacrifice of praise. This is the sacrifice we offer. We don't offer the burnt sacrifice, the, 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 the ola anymore, because Christ has done that. There's no need for another. We become Christ-like, because the martyria of Jesus is that depiction of the spirit of prophecy. We embrace that because he gave himself, we give ourselves. But there's no need for the burnt offering, the, the totality of the offering anymore.
because Christ did that. Now, Satan's offering that. We know that. And there are reasons that those who sadly follow him would do this. They try to be like Christ. But that's a topic for another day. And it better be directed by God when we study it. But this sacrifice of thanksgiving, so we combine it with the offering of thanks. We offer thanks. In the Old Testament, that is Yadah. That's speaking with God, communing with God verbally and from our heart. In the New Testament, it's toward the purpose of participating in his grace. When you pray at the right hand of the Father, you are at the throne of grace. You've boldly come there, and you're communing with him about what he's doing. That's, that's our offering of thanks. But the sacrifice of thanks is when we extend ta-da, our hands, and we praise him. We bring this to the house of the Lord. Our hands represent partnering with him in those seasons of the Lord. It's, it's part of the expression of the unleavened in the New Testament. It's part of us. It's an anointing upon us. And no matter what goes on, we're staying in the fire of God. But we also remember this is the way God moves. This isn't some extraneous thing, some oddball thing. This is God's principle, the principle. I'm going to say this. I might get in trouble with some of you, but I'm going to say it anyway. We look back at these Levitical, these Levitical things, and we have to view them through a Nemonicos perspective. There are some in the church who just glorify the old covenant. They, they think that somehow God is pleased by, um, by wanting to become Israel again in the old covenant. But the principle of it, many of them don't want to have anything to do with. They just want to typify it. They don't want to become in a pneumaticos way. Why did these things happen? What did this mean? We as saints want to honor what was written there, but I want to, and I know you want to, embody the principle and know what does it mean to tada our hands? What does it mean to lift our hands? What is the meaning of the hands? What is the meaning of unleavened? What is the meaning of leaven? What is the meaning of, of uh giving this sacrifice to the Lord while we embrace the breast and we embrace the right, the right leg going forward in the prophetic, stepping forward. What is the meaning of, of what is the meaning of this? <laughs> What's the meaning of this? I'm not disparaging anybody, but it really makes me uncomfortable. I used to, I used to hear this in the 60s and the 70s, and when I first became pastor, you know, there were those who would get up and they would just preach from pulpits and make all the Christians feel guilty because they were not being more old covenant. 
and all those sermons about to the Jew first. And, you know, we, we hosted a Rock of Israel congregation here for many years. Dear friends, Dale Cohen and his lovely wife, um, they met every Saturday um, here in our church for years, and then they moved. But we wanted to express that we were not, and we support Israel. We support as a nation Israel. You won't find a more ardent defender that the United States would, should stand there than this congregation. But I'm not going to become Old Covenant. We're in the New Covenant. The veil has been rent. I'm not going to take my marching orders from people who the Apostle Paul said still had the veil over their face. I want to be what God wants us to be. I want us to be the true children of Abraham. I want us to be people who are, who are mature representations of that people. And I bless what Israel represents. But let's embrace the principle of the Lord and not be bound to the old covenant again. See, there's a way you can do that without becoming anti-Semitic. And I'm not going to take on a guilt trip as I try to become the embodiment of what God's principles showed us his people should be. So we look back on this peace offering, and we look back on the sacrifice of thanksgiving, which is under the auspices of the peace offering, and hopefully today we see biblically what that meant as a principle. And so when we lift our hands before God, it's a sacrifice of praise. What does that mean? Is it just lip service? Or, or is our heart, the people draw near with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, has the steering wheel of our life, to the best of our understanding, embrace that principle? Is the heart of your life willing to commit yourself to what God is doing today as you lift those hands. It's not hands being lifted and the heart is far from us. Does the heart know what that really represents? And, and are you really going to walk it? I believe that we as saints are walking it. And there is an expression there of the lifting of the hands that I think should be a part of what we do on this weekend personally before the Lord. And ongoingly, we need to be communing with God as a yada of thanksgiving, but we also should be regularly lifting our hands before him knowledgeably as a sacrifice. So that's what the peace offering, the sacrifice of peace, was with its subsection of the sacrifice of thanks. And that's what we offer. The unleavened bread, the, the, the measure of remembering the leavened, that God has done this in the past and this is what we're continuing to go forth in, the personal 
expression from the individual of whatever uh, animal, whatever sacrifice you would like to offer. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be pure in every way. And we, with that, we regularly acknowledge that we're, we make mistakes in this partnership with God. The old Billy Graham altar call song, Just As I Am, Without One Plea. We come saying, yes, Lord, we're not perfect, but we're, we're partnering with you. We accept your invitation to partner with you. And I think it's interesting, too, that that this sacrifice could be both male or female, so it's everybody. The burnt offering was male. Jesus was a male. He, he gave himself. We don't have to offer that anymore. He's already done that. Thanks be to his wonderful name. We lift our hands. We understand what that represents. We understand what peace represents. We understand what thanks represents. We understand what the leaven and the unleaven represent. We understand this threefold measure of this burnt, this burning, but that is given to God. It's ingested by us and it's ingested by the priest. We, we see all that. And so I invite you sometime over these next days to lift your hands before the Lord and to express to him that you are so grateful to embrace a partnership with his hands in his seasons as unleavened remembrance that this is his way and as a leavened remembrance that this he's going to do something new and no matter what comes against it we are moving forward we give this to you we're following what you're revealing and in the priesthood and we're we're embracing it as the rest of the body see it doesn't do any good for God to be initiating this for the priest to be communicating it if you're not going to follow it through. That's these three. So we all do this. I'm not just the representative priest here. My great high priest has given this to me. And I'm following it. And he's your great high priest too. So it's all there. So yes, we should be grateful. We should express our gratitude to God as people who have been blessed. But this is an engagement with the plan of God, taking him by the hand, being willing to acknowledge this is his way, and being willing to say, I want to go forth in the unleavened dimension of the things that are ahead that maybe we've never seen before. I want to partner with you in this. The burnt sacrifice is already there with you. Jesus is his name. He's, he's there. He was offered, wholly given to you. 
but we embrace and we fellowship with you. It's just amazing to me how many times in church when we were doing the opening choruses, and I used to lead that. Um, when I was in college, I, I led worship, and I was in high school at my church, and I was the song leader. Praise for us was what you do when you do the opening choruses. Worship was what you do when you sang the hymns. That's the mindset we had. The slower songs were worship. The faster ones were praise. And, you know, you could do that progression in the same key of this is the day and the joy of the Lord is my strength and we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. That was a good trifecta. And then you could do a key change and go into some other thing leading you into some kind of a prayer that then you could have the people sit back down uh, after they greeted one another, turn to hymn number one or number 500 or whatever it would be, and then you would choose a third one, a third hymn that had a really good uh, chorus. You had the people stand on that so the chorus would lead you into something, then you'd choose some other uh, praise song that was a really nice, like he touched me or one of those things. That was the way you did it. But I reflect back on how we would do that. We bring the sacrifice of praise with my hands lifted up and my mouth filled with praise. And people would do that with a heart of thanksgiving. I will bless you, O Lord. But then when God changed us, many of those same folks, not casting aspersions here, just observing, reading the box score. Either you hit the curve or you don't hit the curve. If you went over four, struck out four times, wore the golden sombrero, that's in the record books. That's just there. It's not critical. When they had their hands lifted, when it came to time to say, God's going to do a new thing, will you partner with it? Quickly, those hands went down. They had a check in their spirit. <laughs> Isn't that true? So we're saying we're going to lift our hands knowledgeably. We're going to offer the sacrifice of praise, which is the same thing in the Old Testament as the offering of thanks. The sacrifice of thanks was when you committed yourself to the seasons of the Lord. Now, what was that now, Pastor? What would you say about that thing? Well, that's the beauty of this broadcast. You can listen to it again. You can double speed it. You can look at this outline, get it into your system, and then offer it willingly, knowledgeably to God. You may be surprised and amazed at what happens when you do this before the Lord. In fact, when this broadcast ends on this, sun, on this Wednesday, I'm going to go out of this booth broadcast booth and I'm going to go to first of all the, the balcony of our sanctuary and I'm going to lift my hands before representatively the throne of God and then I'm going to go when I finish there down to the platform and I'm going to lift my hands again from there as the priest and then I'm going to go into the middle of the sanctuary, 
the lighthouse, the candlestick area, and I'm going to lift my hands for the people. And I'm going to speak a blessing over all of you. I'm going to give thanks to my Father, our Father, who art in heaven, whose name is holy. I'm going to give thanks to him for the privilege in our still elementary grasping of his concepts for the privilege of partnering with him. And I'm going to speak into the new day of breakthrough. What about these other five sacrifices? Well, the burnt offering we've already talked about. The grain offering. The sin offering is really part of that burnt offering. And the trespassed offering is really part of that same concept. The grain offering is really something that we speak about on behalf of being thankful to the Lord, offering to him the first fruits of what he's allowed us through his blessing to accomplish, to achieve. We're, to me, we're living these things. But this peace offering, this thanksgiving, is an operative thing that we should be doing daily. You've been living it. Now express it biblically, knowledgeably. And I believe that will delight the Lord. But it's something that is really commensurate with the season of fasting and anticipating the breakthrough that God has for this new year. This is good stuff. I appreciate all of you. Sometimes I know it makes people uncomfortable when I visit what's going on in the, in the general church. But we need to understand the differences. We need to understand the differentiation, not from a pretentious or prideful standpoint, but it amazes me how very often, because our saints can see what happens in other congregations and they can see the the mega churches, and they hear these teachings, and somehow they think we're oblivious to that. So understanding the differences helps you to stay focused on the essence of what the Word is demanding and stay focused on what God wants. You know, one of the problems that God had with his people in the Old Testament and the New, is they were always wanting to go back. You know, God had the people moving in the wilderness, and they started murmuring, whoa, it was so much easier when we had garlic and leeks and the pleasures of Egypt. You go into the land, oh, it's so much easy, these Moabites and these others that are there, we'd like to intermarry with them because, you know, their women look so much prettier than the slim pickings we have here. All the good ones are taken. I want to go out there. And God said, you know what? I'm not. You stick with me. Yeah, there are other things that are going on around you that might be enticing. But you stick with me. You come into the New Testament. Oh, you know, the saints. It's so. It's so. It's so wonderful. But. I like what these people are doing. And God says, I called you to be saints. Understand what that means. 
bless the others, but don't water down what I require. It's an exacting standard. Don't wash out, as it were. You know, I, I look at these things, and I'm so grateful for what God has given us. And, you know, I remember many, several years ago, um, members of our congregation, the Stewarts, gave me a book by a guy named Gene Getz, and it was about it was about the church, and I appreciated that. I appreciate it. I've got it on my desk. And I look at the back of the book. There's an index, and there's a chart there where Getz lists through the New Testament the different groups of people that are mentioned in the church, and among them, he mentions the saints. And it's interesting that you see the followers, you see the brothers, you see, you know, the Christians, you, you see that, and then you see this column of saints, and you see how rare the saints really are. It's a remnant. In fact, I noticed as well, maybe he did this for the purpose of space, because when you're printing, an additional pages cost money. But when it came to Revelation, he didn't list all of the saints' instances. I went back and checked to make sure that the variations were the same, and they are, I'm not faulting him. And there were other instances where the saints that weren't mentioned. But as I looked through it, I said, here's this general church Baptist fellow, and he's acknowledging that there was a group of people known as the saints, but you can see how rare that remnant is. It's there. It's not understood from that framework, but we see it. And it's helpful for us as Demonicos people to see what God has shown us from his word and to make sure we're fulfilling it regardless of whether anybody else is doing it or not. Though none go with me, I follow. You know, I have great fellowship with a very dear friend of mine who is now retired. He is my dentist. He's a dentist of some of the members of our congregation, too. He's a Christian. He trained for the ministry at the same time I did, and then he figured, I, he tells this, uh, I figured that pastoring was not for me. And he went on to Baylor and studied for dentistry, and he's terrific. I'm going to miss that part of our relationship, but it's funny to me to, to meet with him He's very interested in what we're doing, but I know his background as a Southern Baptist. And so I've learned how to engage in a loving friendship relationship with somebody that is not walking as a saint. Not everybody walks as a saint. But I don't ever have pangs thinking, boy, I wish I could go back to First Baptist. You know, remember when I first became pastor, God arranged for through a very dear friend at the church at that time for me to go down and meet with Dr. W.A. Criswell, the, the, the storied pastor of First Baptist Dallas, who built the monstrosity and expanded Criswell College, all these wonderful things. And he was giving counsel to me as to how to become a young pastor and how to follow a pastor who was notable. It's very interesting. 
And from that then, he became a friend to me. I think he recognized that I wasn't chumming up to him so I could move up in the ranks of the Baptists. And I think that the Lord really gave favor. He lived over on Swiss Avenue, and we would see each other. I I had him come and speak at men's breakfast here, and during one of them, he looked over and he said, you know what, pastor, would you consider me a member of this congregation? And I stood up and I went up to him and embraced him and I said, let's all agree, men. Dr. Criswell is now officially a member of this congregation. And, and I'm, I meant that. But he was a dear, dear friend. But at that point, I knew that we were Pentecostal. We spoke in other tongues. I knew that he did not. So I didn't cause that to be a point of contention between us. I didn't ever think, well, you know, if I'm going to be amongst these Baptist folks, I better stop speaking in tongues. I just knew, like the Apostle Paul said, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, become all things to all men that Christ might be shown. So you, this holiday weekend and at Christmas time, you can be around other Christians, but remember You lift those hands, what you have partnered with God to do, and remember that you're following biblical principles, and you're saints. You don't have to jam it down somebody's throat. You don't have to argue about it. But I just thought that was very interesting. I was looking through that chart at the back of that book, and I thought, thank you for this, Father. This was a lot of work to do this chart. It went on for pages, identifying the many groups in the church. But there was that column of saints. No explanation of what they were. In fact, there were some really convenient word logistics that explained away speaking in tongues. No mention of diversities of tongues. I'm not sure what he would have done with that. I'm not sure what the Pentecostal people would do with that. Well, I know what they say. They can't. They told me, I can't wrap my hands around it. Well, good. You should be extending your hands. That's what our presbyter told me. I see what you're saying in the scripture, but I can't wrap my hands around it. You're not supposed to wrap your hands around it. You're supposed to extend your hands, see that it's in the word, and accept it into your, into your spirit, into your heart, into who you are. That's another story. So, See this principle. Do it as unto the Lord. Embody it because it really does speak of what we are as saints. I hope you see that. I speak incredible blessing over each of you this Thanksgiving Eve, tomorrow and Thanksgiving. I, I, you know, it might be a good thing for you today at some point and tomorrow morning early before anybody else comes to lift your hands before the Lord as that sacrifice of thanksgiving. Maybe some of you who have a household that is comprised fully of saints, lift your hands. Maybe if you thought you could get away with it in mixed company, say, you know what? In the Old Testament, the the sacrifice of thanksgiving involved the lifting of the hands. Can we just do that as we pray? And don't go silly with it. Don't bust into a diversities of tongues on, 
encore and fall on the floor and proscuneo and bob and weave, it'll ruin the meal. Now, if God just comes down and everybody's on the floor, that's another thing. But don't you try to get something going in that way. You might even say, hey, in the Old Testament, look it up for yourself, you apologists. Let's lift our hands to the Lord to thank him, to embrace his plan. Do what you will, but read the crowd. <laughs> Follow the Lord, but read the crowd. Jesus read the crowd. Read it in the word. He knew what they were thinking. It says he knew what he saw. He looked around and looked at the crowd. And then he did what was necessary to fulfill his mission. Saul looked at the crowd and he wanted to become like the crowd. How'd that work out for him? All right, I'm just obviously on to dessert now. I've given you the meat of the word. Be blessed. Happy Thanksgiving. Um, know that what I'm doing right now, as soon as I get off and Uncle Scott post this thing. I'll be out in the balcony. I'll be out in the platform and I'll be out in the middle of the sanctuary. What are you going to do with this? God bless you all. We'll see you soon. Goodbye.